Hello, this is constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and this is Restore Freedom with Catherine Henry. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and welcome to this week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly with Catherine Henry. Uh, today, I'm doing a little bit uh, different um, setup, I guess, um, than what I have done before, because I've had a lot of questions posed about a call to action that was recently made. So, um, and this week, I'm going to uh, try to remember to keep uh, checking over at the comment section amidst uh, handling all the other um, aspects here so that we can um, uh, have more of a dialogue than we have in the past. And um, I uh, apparently forgot to turn my phone on silent, so I just did that now so I don't have 4,000 text messages rolling in. Uh, Jane, I can't say good morning back because it is now uh, afternoon. <laughs> so good afternoon, Jane uh, and uh, Charlene. Uh, so uh, first thing I want to do, like I have done in uh, all the videos, uh, I believe, so far this year, at least our weekly show, is to start us off right, to start us off with a brief snippet of God's word that shows us uh, the direction that we should be going and how, uh, how we should be handling this fight for freedom. Uh, this week is pretty simple. Um, I'm going to bring you to, uh, I believe it's John. Yes. John eight, uh, verses, verse 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free might seem simple and possibly overplayed if you've heard it over and over again, but I feel very adamant about the truth. Um, you know, not that my parents uh, wanted me to lie or anything growing up, but my grandmother was actually the person that instilled in me, uh, <laughs> you can't lie, uh, you have to tell the truth. And, you know, like they say when they're swearing, in, swearing you in, uh, to, to be a witness, you got to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that's what this episode is about. I mean, quite frankly, they're all about the truth. Um, I don't lie to you guys. But it's important that we understand the truth in order to best move forward with any calls to action that we feel called to act upon. So uh, with that being said, today's episode is really going to be geared around the, um, I don't know, you know, which group really wants the credit, so to speak. Uh, so hopefully I'm saying this correctly, but <clears throat> I was recently sent videos, uh, where it was Tammy Clark from Stand Up Michigan and, uh, Rick Martin from the, uh, constitutional law group. And they were explaining this Valentine's day call to action. Uh, this document they have online, uh, what to do with it, how to handle it. It was kind of the explanation and uh, instructional video, if you will. So today's um, call to action 
the, the way to get involved that I have for you, today's constitutional segments, today's um, three resources, and the overall constitutional or legal discussion uh, is actually all going to be geared around that same topic. Uh, most of you have heard about this, uh, at least I'm guessing most of you have heard about this, given the, the press, so to speak, that's been... Um, um, done on their their push. And this isn't just for Michigan. What um, Rick Martin has explained is that it is something to um, reach all over the United States. I haven't double checked him on, on this fact, but he says that there's 3,133 counties all across the United States. And this is something that they're pushing to have done all across the United States. In fact, he is actually out of um, I believe Texas, but I could be wrong about that. I don't remember. So um, this is not just a video for those of you who are in Michigan, although Stand Up Michigan is obviously uh, focused on issues related to what's happening in Michigan. Uh, so with that being said, um, I, I want to go ahead and get started here. Um, and really, one of the things I wanted to do was um, why, right? Um, I'm going to cut to the chase and tell you there's some big concerns that I have with the call to action. And we're going to go into detail uh, so you can understand and you can learn and you can make your own mind up as to uh, if you want to pursue uh, that that call to action that they, they made or if you don't want to or whatever the case may be. Um, I just want you to have all the, the correct information. But why? Why do I feel called to do that? Well, um, you know, I got called out, so to speak, or attacked uh, personally by several people, um, politicians, as well as some outspoken grassroots um, activists, if you will, for calling out different bills and, and actions in the past. So for example, um, we had some House bills that passed in October of 2020, and I was calling those out. We had some that were in the works throughout the summer of 2020. And when I did a bill explaining what was going on and urging you to call your state rep and to not vote on that or to remedy the situation if it was one that they had just voted in, you know, secretly or quietly, uh, passed it through both the House and the Senate or something, um, I wanted you to know what's out there and I wanted you to take action on what's out there. Uh, not because the whole point was, let's find something negative to, um, you know, try to bring somebody else down. No, but what's happening isn't right. And in order for us to know how to proceed moving forward, uh, ways that will really work to regain the God-given liberties that we have, uh, to retain those, to preserve those, um, we really need to do it the right way. So um, anyway, I strongly believe, and this is actually in a whole section of one of my, several of my briefs that I filed with the appellate courts in Michigan uh, related to my election day case, that as an attorney, I am an attorney licensed in five, I used to be more, I don't practice in some of those jurisdictions like the state of Minnesota anymore. But anyway, I've, I'm an attorney licensed to practice still in five jurisdictions. And as an attorney licensed in those jurisdictions, especially in the state of Michigan, I have a duty to inform the public. I have a duty to help protect 
the public to pursue justice. And um, I actually go into quite a bit of detail in my appellate briefs about that duty and where it comes from and what's required by um, our Michigan Rules of Professional Conduct for attorneys, uh, state law, and a variety of other sources that um, really will show that attorneys all across the state of Michigan are doing not enough. Uh, but anyway, that's why I feel compelled um, is that this issue has been brought to my doorstep, if you will, and um, by several people that I, I know and I trust, and um, they're wanting to be very active. They're wanting to do the right thing. And so they're bringing it to me saying, okay, can you vet this? Is this legit? Can we do this? Is this going to work? So again, my point isn't to bring down the people that are promoting this. Um, in fact, I want to, um, well, I'll just jump to saying, do I think uh, Tammy Clark or Rick Martin that they are lying to you? They're not telling you the truth, but I don't believe that they are intending to lie to you. I wholeheartedly believe they think they are doing the best thing by pursuing this and that they are giving you the best and truthful, most truthful information that they can about it. I believe that is what they believe. Uh, I don't think there's any kind of malice, ill will or um, you know, purposeful deception or anything like that. But when you have people that aren't totally educated on something, trying to uh, disperse it to the public, things can get really ugly and really messy and definitely inaccurate. So please keep that in mind. I don't want you to harbor some sort of ill feelings for either one of them. That's not what I'm saying. This isn't, uh, you know, anti-stand-up Michigan, anti-constitutional law group uh, type of video. This is informative so we can walk piece by piece through what was shared with me um, from several people. <laughs> I guess you could tell I'm from Michigan when I have a Dow um, koozie for my pop. So, and the fact that I just said pop, even though I grew up in Orlando, I was born uh, and lived in Michigan for many years of my life. So. Anyway, moving on. So um, let's see uh, where to start. Give me a second, guys. I am going to move my notes over to another screen. All right. So the first thing I want to do is, um, again, this is about the call to action that the Constitutional Law Group and Stand Up Michigan are doing jointly um, to bring people on uh, February 14th to all of your local county courthouses and uh, deliver this document. They want thousands of people all over the state doing this. They want people all across the US doing this. Um, and so this is what we're talking about. If you have any questions about it, I'm sure if you did a quick search for Stand Up Michigan or the Constitutional Law Group or any of their social media platforms, they probably have a link to the video. Um, it is certainly on the Constitutional Law uh, Law Group's uh, website. That's the link that was sent to me. Um, so I won't go through all the details um, beyond that um, prior, so you know exactly what I'm talking about in case you had not heard of this call to action, but you will see the details being unfolded as we talk about the analysis. So one thing that I was left wondering um, is if they are intending this document that they have to be a legal document or not. And you know what? I think I got to 
pull it up anyway. It's going to be easier for you guys to see what it is I'm talking about. Um, so give me just a second here. Oh, I'll shoot. I didn't realize they had Q&A posted right on there. I spent quite a bit of time uh, taking transcription notes of what they said in their video. Um, so let me see here. Oh, I didn't realize that it's a... Uh, hmm. Okay. I thought I could pull it up on their website, but I can't. So um, let's see. I'm just going to throw it there so I can open it for you. All right. I... Um, should have had it pulled up, but I was hoping to do the analysis without necessarily bringing up the specifics. So I was going to let you follow that on your own. Um, oh, this isn't even the document I was trying to pull up. Lovely. Um, I will see. I'm going to open the link that I was given. Um, I'm not seeing it directly on their website here, but... Ah, I might have found the link. Okay. Okay. Oh, and things have changed a little bit since I pulled this up. At least the link I had was definitely not, um, it didn't, yeah, the instructions were changed a little bit. So that's interesting. Um, not sure why that is. But um, they have... Uh, the documents here, I'm going to go ahead to my screen share to show you. Okay. So this is the document that they have that they're asking people to print off, fill out, turn in. Okay. Um, at the top, it's somewhat looking like it's trying to be, um, a criminal complaint form. Uh, this is not the right way a criminal complaint form would be done in any jurisdiction, but uh, that's what it's set out to be. It's, a, it's called the proposed indictment. Uh, they want you to fill in the county, the state, the prosecutor's name, and then it goes through all of these pages where it's talking about um, various um, unlawful acts, and um, then there's a spot for the... Um, person to sign, uh, put, print their name, sign and date, and then to have this notarized. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about. So um, I go back to my notes here. Um, okay. So the first thing that comes to my mind is well, the way they're describing this, it seems like it's a legal document uh, that they're trying to make it into a legal document or use it as a legal document, but then they say it's, it is and it isn't. So is this a legal document? Um, are they asking you to file a case in court or just provide prosecutors information? Uh, let's look at what exactly is going on there. Well, first of all, they keep saying, go to the courthouse. But then um, 
are they asking people to file this document in a new court case and pay the filing fee? Uh, or just give prosecutors a courtesy copy of this document and ask them to look at it? Those really are the two only choices that it could be. Um, they're kind of making it seem like yes and yes, but it's, it's one or the other. Um, filing a case and starting a case in court or just giving information to a prosecutor and asking them to do something about it. Um, so also uh, on their instructional sheet on the, at least the one I pulled up earlier, it's different um, than what I see now. So I can't point to exactly where I saw this because I was actually looking at it on my phone. But number five in the instructions said, file this document with the county prosecutor's office at the county courthouse. Now, it's interesting because you don't file anything with the county prosecutor's office. You can serve them a document. You can, you know, mail them a document. Uh, you can just give them copies of something. It's not necessarily service if it, you're just giving them information. But you don't file anything with them. But they keep emphasizing at the county courthouse. Well, filing is something that takes place at the county courthouse. So there's a little bit of confusion there. Um, they also say in the, in the instructional video that these prosecutors must, by law, initiate an investigation, uh, and by law, they are required to take action. Well, action in the legal sense, it's a term of art. It's a term meaning a cause of action, a case. So again, we're back to, is this a case already? Are they suggesting that you guys should go with this document and literally start a court case? Um, so they also say that we the people are going to show up at our county courthouse with documentation. Okay, again, that's saying, okay, show up at your courthouse to file this document. Um, then they mention in the video, these crimes happened in every county in the United States, and it is the duty of our prosecutors to handle these cases. So again, it sounds like they're really asking people to go to the courthouse, file these as criminal charges, open a case, and then it would be the prosecutor's job to follow through and prosecute this case. Um, they also said that we have standing to file the charges in our local county courthouse and then explain how that is. Well, not exactly. They don't play, they explain the standing, they explain why they think there's jurisdiction, but um, they don't actually explain the standing issue, which is very important. You can't file any kind of lawsuit at all in any court unless you have standing. You have to be someone who's inherently involved in the case. Um, you know, a direct participant, if you will, you can't file something um, like, for example, when I filed uh, to, you know, participate as amicus in the cases against the governor um, with all the COVID stuff going on, I was filing on behalf of the people of the state of Michigan in an unofficial capacity, uh, just based on the thousands of people that were asking me to do something to help them fight for freedom. And I was only participating as an amicus, which is literally meaning a friend of the court. I was not coming in as a full party, so I didn't have standing to do that. In fact, in a lot of these instances with the lawsuits against um, all these ma mandates, um, especially in, in Michigan, but I know this is happening across the U.S., um, the legislature was told in some of those situations, hey, you don't have standing to participate. We'll let you participate as amicus, but you cannot intervene and join this lawsuit as a party because you don't have standing. 
Um, it can all get kind of complicated and legalese from there, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, but their, their statements in these training videos are, we have standing to file the charges in our local county courthouse. So to me, that is them, as they're explaining what they want you to do, they want you to show up with this document and file charges at the local county courthouse. Like all of those words in that sentence all together mean they're not asking you to just bring information for somebody to look at. They're asking you to initiate a case and have the prosecutor's office follow through and prosecute it. So, um, sorry, I see that there is a question. Maybe you should ask to do a live interview with these two organizations to clarify their intentions. Um, yep, that would be great. But, and I have talked personally with both of these individuals in the past on other general freedom fighting issues or other projects. Um, my biggest concern that I voiced to Rick myself when I saw him face to face uh, in Michigan was, um, this was just last summer. Um, <laughs> he was trying to explain a few things about, you know, um, his whole, um, methodology on how to attack this, this freedom fighting issue. And especially in Michigan, and he had a lot of statements about, you know, basically allegations, attorneys are this and the people are that and whatever. And when I, voiced my concern. I asked him, okay, all with each of your statements, tell me where in the law or where in the constitution that is when you make an assertion like that. And he could not. And I said, that's the most important thing to do um, is make sure if you're telling someone this is a legal way to do this, or this is the, you know, whatever, whatever, you need to be able to back it up. Um, and so I shared with him that my concern is, is not that he's not a licensed attorney, but, um, it seems that because of his, um, manner of doing things, he's just not educated enough about the law and about the constitution, certainly not in Michigan, uh, to be able to really educate people on the process on how to move forward on something like this, or quite frankly, on anything I've seen him trying to do in Michigan. Uh, do I think he's intending any kind of bad stuff or in it for the fame or anything? No, I think he's trying really hard to do what he thinks is the right thing. And I would love to be able to have a sit down or do video or whatever and explore this much more um, in detail with each of them uh, in the open, so to speak. But um, well, when they when I try to follow through on on those kinds of topics, I'm not getting anywhere. I recently asked Tammy Clark uh, just to give me what information she would like shared um, about herself or stand up uh, to to you know I give you guys three resources every week, and one week I wanted to give her information because uh, she travels and talks about uh, OSHA, the rules and the masks and all that stuff, uh, PPE usage. She does that with Kristen Megan, and I wanted to share her information and Kristen Megan's information with you so you could hear directly from them uh, some of the great work that they've been doing and that great information that they have out there. But um, Kristen replied, but Tammy did not. So I, it's not even on a calling them out or questioning them type of situation. I'm not even getting responses a lot of times on just being able to share the positives that they're working on with people. So I would be open to that. If they wanted to reach out to me and say, hey, can we do this? Can we do a video kind of clearing some stuff up? That'd be great. I'm totally open to that. But I just wanted to let you know why uh, I can't just jump to doing that right now. Um, okay. 
So that's all the things that they've been saying, leading us to believe, okay, this is a legal document. But on the other hand, in the, the explanation video, they're saying, literally, these are quotes, this is not a legal document. We're not asking you to sign and notarize. We're just asking you to get the information into the hands of, our, of your local county prosecutor. So that's a totally different thing from filing, um, from case, uh, from charges, from having standing. All of those things are key words that they're talking about in um, those other um, statements I, I highlighted earlier. But this is sounding in that statement like, oh, no, no, we just want you to give this information. Okay, so why do people need to bring it in person? And if one person is doing it, why do other people need to do it? Um, if you want to show support, like like a petition, it might not be a legal petition or you know something that follows the Michigan state um, laws on um, you know having petitions do some sort of action within the government. But if you had a petition saying, you know, hey, you know, my neighbors, my friends and my coworkers and people I go to church with, et cetera, people all across the state agree with me that you should do this um, or you shouldn't do this, right? If you get people wanting to support something like that, like the Ottawa Impact, oh, I can't remember what it was called. There was something that Ottawa Impact started with. It was like the Ottawa Resolution or something like that, where it was just a statement of belief. We believe um, as elected representatives or elected officials and citizens of Ottawa County that we should be defending the constitution, that we should, whatever. I signed it because I believe in all of the things that it said and lots of people signed it. In fact, all the names I believe were and maybe still are available right on the internet so you could see who that individual was and, and their title if applicable and how many people were supporting that. That would be different if you wanted to say, okay, everybody who wants the prosecutor to do something on this, email your local prosecutor and they'll have your contact information that way or sign this petition to get them to initiate this legislation um, or not legislation, this court action. Um, you know, so you can have, so the prosecutor could look at it and go, oh man, look at all of these people that want me to do something about this. I could get that if they were trying to just have volume and numbers to show how that people want this to happen. But for people to all just bring it to the prosecutor and she's saying, we don't want you to sign and notarize it. There's no place for you to just like fill out all of your, your name and your contact information on this document before you give it to the prosecutor. So what does it really, what good does it do when the prosecutor doesn't even know who is bringing them this information? And what is their purpose? There, there can be no dialogue. There can no, be no follow-up uh, directly with the prosecutor's office. If they were to take the time to receive it and read it and want to do something and follow up with you, if you haven't given them all of your information, if it's not on this form, uh, then they wouldn't be able to do that. Um, then they say, we the people are going to show up with documentation to be handed to each prosecutor across the nation. So handing something to a prosecutor is far different than filing something in court. But they seem to be talking about this interchangeably. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to skip to or pause on what I was, my exp explanation or analysis, jump over to see if there's any questions uh, on that point that I can answer and then get back into some of the other topics. Holy cow, you guys are going to keep me busy. Um, okay. 
Thank you, Dale. I appreciate it. Um, uh, we the People FOIA is the name of a YouTube user. Um, it seems like you might have a really great question uh, in my quick trying to scan through and read. It's not sinking in what you're asking, but it's talking about um, possibly the 14th Amendment um, of the you know, the rights and privileges of, of citizens. Uh, that is going to be a different topic than what we're talking about now, but um, perhaps it's something that you want to develop and maybe send on to Lori and we could figure out how to do a video on that. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. You hear chewing in the background. Um, there is no chewing in the background. My clock I don't know where it is. It's not up on a wall. Oh, it's up on the shelf. It, it might be my clock ticking because uh, it's very close to the computer, but I apologize if you're hearing something like that. Um, okay. So, okay. Um, okay. Sorry. I'm just going through real quick to make sure I didn't... Um, Oh, let's see. Okay. Oh, did I not get them? Oh my. Okay. There's some more. Okay. All right. So I'm good. I can move on. I just wanted to make sure since I told you guys at the onset that I was going to try to be a little bit more engaging and have a more of a dialogue on this topic. So I just wanted to check the comments. Okay. So the, um, the next big thing is, so they're talking about the context of, um, so it's the prosecutor's job, you know, we're bringing these documents to the prosecutor, the prosecutor has a duty to take action, right? Um, that's what they're saying. Um, so, you know, these prosecutors must by law initiate an investigation. By law, they are required to take action um, they say things like that over and over again about, um, the prosecutors are required to, to basically prosecute these. Um, so the, um, first thing I want to point out though, my question is how is it the prosecutor, the County prosecutor, um, in Michigan, it's just called the prosecuting attorney. How is it that prosecutors duty to prosecute these federal charges in local County courts? There's like, six different ways that that's not a thing and it's not okay. First of all, uh, one of the resources I have for you is um, from the criminaldefenselawyer.com. Quite honestly, I haven't read their whole website, but um, they're obviously not fans of prosecutors. It's the criminaldefenselawyer.com website. Um, but I literally just did a quick Google search to try to see, um, so it's not just my words, it was the most um, common or easy way to do a Google search and see what the answer is about some of these questions. Um, can a prosecutor, uh, a state or county prosecutor, um, prosecute federal charges in local courts? So here is uh, one of the things that they had to say on this website. Federal criminal prosecutions, federal criminal prosecutions are handled by U.S. attorneys who are appointed by and ultimately responsible to the U.S. Attorney General. State prosecutors, sometimes called district, state, county, uh, or city attorneys, 
prosecute violations of state and local law. I couldn't have said it any better, so that's why I give you an outside source. It's not just my word for it. Uh, one of the sites or resources that I gave you uh, in the description of today's video was from justice.gov. And uh, that says the, the Department of Justice can assume jurisdiction only when there has been a violation of federal law. So the DOJ, uh, any you know criminal prosecutions of federal in federal courts or by federal prosecutors is for federal law. Now, likewise, um, the criminaldefenselawyer.com website, this is one of the uh, links I gave you in the resources today, says that federal crimes are prosecuted by assistant U.S. attorneys and investigated by federal officers such as the FBI, DEA, or ICE agents, and state crimes are investigated by county sheriffs, state agents, or local police officers, and prosecuted by state district attorneys or city attorneys. That is correct. So again, that, um, that and more information is, is available on one of those um, links I provided to you. Uh, but it's federal law. When, when federal law is broken, federal prosecutors, that, that's their job to prosecute those offenses. When a state or local law is broken, that is the job for the state or local prosecutors. Um, in fact, let's see this one. Uh, this is from uh, legalreader.com. Uh, again, these are just some of the top searches that, you know, quite frankly, said it great. So um, generally, a state cannot prosecute a federal crime. The federal government prosecutes federal crimes. The state has jurisdictions over crimes that violate the laws of that state and occur within the state's boundaries. The state has the power to arrest, charge, try, and convict those who violate its laws, meaning the state's laws. The federal government has jurisdiction over crimes that involve federal law. So why am I hammering on this so much? It's a huge deal. What they're saying is bring this document to make sure charges are initiated at your local county courthouse um, to, you know, pursue these charges that if you look at their document, and I'm going to go back um, to that, it is literally, they put all the counts at the top here, USC, 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 US code. Um, but it's United States code, United States code. That is the federal laws that those these are not state statutes these are not local ordinances uh these aren't laws that are prosecuted at the state or local level these are laws that are uh prosecuted and enforced at the federal level so um also i want you to take a look at um, MCL 600.601 for the circuit court. So why am I talking about circuit court? Well, in um, the state of Michigan, and a lot of other states are set up similarly, uh, in the state of Michigan, trial courts are broken down. There's actually three main types of trial courts. There's a uh, probate court that usually handles um, like child protection matters, adult guardianship. In some counties, they handle divorces and child custody, things like that. Then you have uh, the district court. Now that is usually, um, you know, um, renter type situations, um, contract matters up to what used to be 
$5,000. I don't remember off the top of my head anymore what the dollar amount is, but um, basically anything that's over the small claims amount or where people were in small claims and one of the parties asked to go um, back into normal district court, but it's trial court settings on a lower type of scale. Now, criminal charges, uh, misdemeanors are all uh, prosecuted in the state of Michigan in district courts. I served as a public defender handling those. Um, in other states, like in Minnesota, where I served as a public defender, uh, district court is the only trial court. A trial court judge does all the probate types of cases, child protection, criminal, family, divorce, whatever, as one judge. Um, bigger counties, they might break it off by subject, but they don't have separate trial courts like I'm explaining in Michigan. So if you're in another state altogether, uh, your county or your state might do something else a little bit differently. But um, anyway, for Michigan, since this is um, being you know pushed in the state of Michigan, specifically through this video, uh, the one that I was talking about, MCL 600.601 is, is entitled Circuit Court Jurisdiction and Power. Jurisdiction over state laws and state constitution. The, the jurisdiction uh, there is, um, it's only over state laws and the state constitution. That's what that section is describing. There's different parts of Michigan law that talk about the jurisdiction of probate courts, district courts, circuit courts, court of appeals, court of claims, you name it, it's all in there. Uh, and nothing in there allows them to prosecute or to handle cases in a circuit court or any other trial court for criminal, uh, federal criminal charges. These are state and local charges. So um, anyway, like I said, I'm talking about circuit court because uh, that is generally what they're talking about when they tell you to, to go to the county courthouse. But um, again, district court would have even less power um, over something like this, big things. They don't have power over felonies. Uh, cases that are felonies and high court misdemeanors, as Michigan calls them, um, start in the, in the district court in Michigan, but they move over or you get bound over to the circuit court for the case to finish out and have the trial, et cetera. Um, now I want you to think about this. Even the Michigan Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over federal uh, crimes. If you look at MCL 600.212, it is entitled Powers and Jurisdiction Source, the source of their powers and jurisdiction, right? The Supreme Court has all the powers and jurisdiction conferred upon it by the Constitution and laws of this state. In other words, the Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over something if the state constitution or state laws do not give it the authority to handle such a case. And state law and state constitution does not give the Michigan Supreme Court jurisdiction to handle or hear anything about these federal crimes. Huge, huge. So why are they having you go to the local county courthouse? All right. Now, something else they're mentioning is that they want these prosecutors to either file these criminal charges. Actually, I'm going to pause real quick, make sure I don't have any questions I need to ask.
Okay, so, okay, somebody was asking about the surety bonds. We'll get that uh, in just a minute. Um, okay, I'm just making sure I don't, there wasn't a question that I am skipping. The, um, I think I'm understanding what somebody is asking on YouTube um, about the USC. The USC is United States Code, and that is the federal law. Um, there are federal regulations and rules and all that garbage, but there's actually United States Code is federal law. Um, okay. 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 And um, for those of you on YouTube, Kristen Megan, um, thank you for jumping in there. Kristen Megan was explaining, they are asking people to give evidence to prosecutors, evidence of crimes committed in their counties. Um, so the problem is the crimes committed in the counties, What there's tons of state crimes that are being committed uh, by these officials. But quite frankly, the people listed in this complaint, which are at the top of that document, aren't even the people that would be worth pursuing at this point. In the state of Michigan, if you want to pursue things, um, I would go to a federal court and try to pursue uh, charges against the local officials. If you want to pursue the big, heavy-handed federal statutes, um, go after the, the public officials that are in Michigan implementing these things based on what Fauci and the CDC and whatnot are saying. Um, Okay, so option one, uh, she's saying they're asking people to either file charges or bring evidence to the prosecutor. And they're giving you um, two different options there. So thank you for that clarification. Um, so the problem is these particular charges have literally no purpose being with the county prosecutor. If you want to bring this information or you know ask for these particular crimes, to be pursued um, in federal courts, you need to go to the federal prosecutor. Now, keep in mind that at the start of their, well, it's somewhere in their video, they explained that um, all 50 states, their um, state um, attorney general and the um, US uh, attorney general's office have already been given this documentation by the person who originally wrote it, and they're already pursuing that. So it doesn't seem like they're wanting people or encouraging people to pursue or add on to that, um, but rather pursue things at your state and local levels. Um, so again, if you want to pursue things in your state or local levels, you need to be pursuing things with state or local law. Um, and that's a huge thing. Otherwise, literally, you're going to be wasting your time and they'll look at you like, this has nothing to do with me and they'll walk away. Um, it would not be their duty to do anything with this, any one of those people in that in that courthouse. Keep in mind too, in some counties, if you go to the local county courthouse, your prosecutor's office is not necessarily in that building. There's a lot of counties where the prosecutor's office is in an entirely different building and you just wanna be aware of that. Um, so then they're talking about if the prosecutor does not, um, file uh, criminal charges or pursue a criminal case, then Rick was saying that he'd like to see these prosecutors put together a mass tort claim with other prosecutors, state or federal. What does this mean? Well, you have criminal and you have civil cases. 
Uh, they're saying if the prosecutor doesn't pursue the criminal side, they would like to see the prosecutor pursue civil. So tort, what is a tort? A tort is basically, it's something where it's not a contract claim. It's not like, oh, I had a contract with somebody and they broke the contract. Um, it's basically, they wronged me personally in some way. Um, you know, somebody punched me and they caused me physical harm. I'm going to, to sue for the tort of um, battery. Um, I'm going to sue for, you know, wh whatever the case may be. Um, there's a lot of torts out there, but he doesn't say which one would be what they're trying to get pursued. Um, but quite frankly, I think there's more, there's some more scary stuff with that. Do we really want our local prosecuting attorneys to be pursuing things in civil court as torts against people? Now, the people that are initially named in this um, by, you know, the Stand Up Michigan and, and the Constitutional Law Group and those who initially wrote this, um, those individuals, sure, they're probably guilty of quite a few things, but do we really want uh, the government, our local prosecuting attorneys, to have the authority, to have the blessing of the people to go ahead and when you can't prove your case in criminal court, to switch over to civil court and pursue a tort claim um, because it's a lower burden of proof, they could do that to you. They could do that to any of you. Uh, Dana Nessel, the Michigan State Attorney General, has been saying for the longest time about uh, pursuing under gang laws uh, for the Michigan militia members and things that they've been doing, that it's they're a gang, they fit the, the definition of a gang, and so she's going to pursue charges under that concept. Really? Do so if if we're not going to limit it to criminal, then they're allowed to expand it and pursue civil claims. What would that look like? And if it's a mass tort, are we talking about something where um, it's basically a class action lawsuit? And the way class action lawsuits work is if it even gets certified as a class action, that means all affected parties, people who you know, could be thousands, could be millions. In this case, it would be um, millions. Um, they each have to be notified that there's this lawsuit and there's this action pending and their rights might be affected because they, if they don't opt out of the class, if they don't take an affirmative step to say, no, I don't, don't want anything to do with this case, then they forever lose their option to pursue legal remedy against those people later on for the same thing. Now, also look at what does a tort do? What would they be asking the court, the county prosecutor to do? You can't get jail time out of a tort action. You get primarily money damages. You get a big sum of money. Okay, how does that help the state of Michigan? Where would that money go if a tort action is brought and pursued and won and a judgment is paid out? Where would that money go? And where is that money coming from? It's not coming from those individual um, actors, so to speak. It's coming from other pieces of government, which where does the government get their money? Tax dollars. So we, the people, would be paying out. The people who are named in this you know, uh, lawsuit would have no skin off their back, so to speak. Um, again, just something that I found really concerning. Um, also, something that you need to look at is, is a county attorney, is in 
um, Michigan, it's a prosecuting attorney, unless it's the, the city attorney that you'd be turning to, but they're asking you to go to your county prosecuting attorney. Are they even allowed to pursue civil cases, not just defend on behalf of, of that um, jurisdiction, but pursue? Um, if you look at MCL 49.71, that's where you'll see um, that uh, most of the counties actually have county civil attorneys and they handle all those types of civil cases. If you look at MCL 49.72, I think I might've said the wrong statute. The, the civil one is 49.71. The criminal or typical prosecuting attorney statute in Michigan is MCL 49.72. And it says that in case the board of supervisors of any such county or you know your county commissioners, what have you, shall employ an attorney under this act to represent the county in civil matters. The prosecuting attorney of such county shall not act with respect to such matters unless requested to do so by the board of supervisors, the, the um, county commissioners. So in other words, there is a law that legally prevents a county prosecuting attorney from having anything to do with a civil case unless the county commissioners have specifically asked them to do that. So it's, they don't have a duty. They literally cannot pursue that. They have a duty not to pursue a civil case. So why have people bring them this information? Um, so um, on michiganbar.org, and this is an even more important point because you have people that are, you know, in the video, they, they lead into, well, this bond issue. If they don't do this and they have a duty, then they're violating their bond. If they're not making these charges, if they're not prosecuting these cases, they're violating uh, their duty. I want you to listen to this. And it's stated in a lot of different ways in court rules, in um, Michigan Supreme Court cases, in um, U.S. Supreme Court, it, everywhere. This is just the quickest thing that came up in a search just to give you something. If you go to Michigan Bar, the Michigan Bar website, um, which is not just a club in the state of Michigan, you are legally required to be a member of the Michigan State Bar if you are a licensed practicing attorney. Um, in other states, like in Minnesota, bar association is optional, um, and I was not voluntarily a part of that uh, when I was licensed to practice law there, um, but I am a member of the Michigan Bar. Um, they put out um, ethics opinions and things like that. It's usually the state attorney general uh, that'll do that. There's one in particular I wanted you guys to point to, so that is in the uh, list of resources in the description of the video. It says the public prosecutor has very broad discretion over which charges to initiate and when and how to pursue them. There is no duty to prosecute all charges the evidence may support. I'm, I'm going to say that again because this literally contradicts the very essence of what they're asking you to do. Again, I don't think that they are intending to steer you in the wrong direction. I think their hearts are in the right place, but they are not getting the correct information. The public prosecutor has very broad discretion over which charges to initiate and when and how to initiate, excuse me, to pursue them. There is no duty to prosecute all charges the evidence may support. So uh, the reason being is prosecutors, well, I'm not going into the philosophical reason, 
um, or discussion on that. But the the setup of this is to give prosecutors that discretion so that if in the interests of justice, you know, you have somebody that committed a crime, uh, but it, it didn't really harm someone and um, there were extraordinary circumstances, but by the definition of the law, they broke the law. Do you prosecute them? Uh, well, the interests of justice may say, no, you shouldn't prosecute them. Uh, there's all kinds of examples about that. But um, at any rate, this is just explaining point blank. There is no duty for a prosecutor just because somebody brings them evidence and they have all this evidence that support a, a conviction that the prosecutor has to go and prosecute a case against that person. That those two things are not, you know, just having the evidence doesn't require the prosecutor to do anything. Now, am I advocating one way or the other about that? No, but quite frankly, from a criminal defense perspective, and let's look at this, let's look at the Null brothers who were accused of wrongdoing and presumed guilty until proven innocent by the media and a lot of uh, Republican and Democrat politicians. Uh, let's look at um, Speaker of the House Lee Chatfield and all the allegations against him. Uh, look at anybody who's ever been accused of or charged with a crime. Do you want there to be um, no presumption of innocence? I want there to be a presumption of innocence. I want there to be all benefit of the doubt to the, the defendant because there are lots of people, millions of people charged with crimes who are not guilty of those crimes. So we want, even if there's evidence showing someone, you know, did commit a crime, that doesn't mean they actually did. And yes, we all know our system is broken. Our judicial system in particular is broken. Uh, so we just need to keep that in mind. We're looking at it from the lens of trying to pursue action against the bad actors, the evildoers, as they call them in this video. And I would agree, everyone who's been um, uh, responsible for implementing these COVID restrictions and who have been violating the individual liberties of all of us, those individuals should and must be held accountable. This is not the way to do it. And if you're going to violate notions of due process, if you're going to um, think outside of the box in a way that puts liberty, um, you know, liberty issues or due process or any of that at risk, why is it okay to do that for one group of people, but not another? Um, it's not. I would say it's not. I would say um, even Gretchen Whitmer and Dana Nessel and um, SOS Benson, all the governors, all the politicians, all of the government officials who have been restricting our freedoms and violating our rights nonstop uh, for no less than two years, they should be held accountable. They should be held criminally responsible but do I think that we should just lock them up and, and throw away the key without going through due process? No, because what is the point of our system if we're willing to throw away those due process requirements in some situations and not in others? How is that fair and just? How is that doing the right thing? Okay, so... Um, the Berrien County prosecuting attorney 
has on their website. Honestly, this was the first hit that I got when I was like, you know, just Googling can local prosecutors, you know, what are their duties or something like that? Something general. Um, this is the statement made on there. The, it is the duty of the prosecuting attorneys to review, authorize, and prosecute violations of felony and misdemeanor criminal laws of the state of Michigan and county ordinances committed outside, um, inside the county. And they're not even saying they can pursue um, local municipal law violations because I'm guessing in Berrien County, they have city attorneys that handle those. Um, so the prosecuting attorneys have that scope. We don't want that to them to have the power or authority to start prosecuting for federal offenses or for local ordinances and things of that nature. They already have a ton of power and a ton of authority. Why give them more than they should have? Those who are, are you know, in the, the federal court realm who are federal prosecuting attorneys need to be doing their job and prosecuting federal crimes. Uh, but they don't need to cross over and then start getting you for state offenses. That would violate due process in so many ways, because one thing in particular, the rules of procedure, what is considered proper due process in a state court versus a federal court, they look, those things look different. The process looks different. How do you file papers? Do you pay a motion filing fee? For example, in the state of Michigan, in general, at least in civil cases, but in general, if you are paying a motion file, if you want to file a motion and ask the court to do something in your case, you have to pay a motion filing fee. Used to be $20. Honestly, I don't remember if it's gone up, but it was $20. In federal court, you don't have to pay a motion filing fee. You pay a much bigger um, an initial filing fee, but no, um, no motion fee when you want to file motions. So when I was in federal district court um, fighting against the city manager of the city of Belding years ago and her overpriced attorney paid with my tax dollars, uh, moved the case from uh, Ionia Circuit Court over to federal district court. I guess he thought he was scaring me and, and making it, um, you know, quite um, unattainable for me to want to pursue. And I looked at my husband and I said, ha, this is great because I have four motions that I'm going to need to file against this um, attorney for um, illegally pursuing this matter um, and doing the things that they've been doing. Um, and that saves me $80 in filing fees. Isn't that great? And they were on uh, an e-filing system before, you know, a lot of the county courts in Michigan. So e-filing is way easier uh, than trying to figure out how many copies and, and you know, so there's a lot of other antiquated practices in courts um, around the state that need to be um, abolished. But in the meantime, they're in place and you got to know what to file and when and uh, e-filing takes care of all that for you. So um, again, what tort would it even be if a prosecutor was prosecuting for these torts? The complaint itself only refers to criminal charges. You can't go and just say, oh, well, there's this statute that says you can't do that. So uh, I'm just going to use the same statute, but then apply it in a, in a civil case. That's not how it works. Um, in some instances, you can, you can do that, but it has to be coupled uh, with a specific law that allows you to do that. So the bond process. Oh, crap. I was trying to make this a short video. I guess I have a lot of concerns on this topic. So 
um, in the bond process, first they say every public servant must have an indemnity bond. Okay, where does it say this? What law does it does is that said? And in what context and where does that bond come from? Are, are they suggesting that every single public official, including me, every single public official is supposed to go and post their own bond individually? Like I have to go figure this out, go to the insurance agent, get a bond, bring it somewhere and, and show proof of that. Because um, that's not the way that it works. And it, it's not written in any law that that's how it would work. They're also saying, um, in fact, I think it was the very next sentence, and what an indemnity bond is, is if they do any harm to the public, that they will be held, that they will be able to be held accountable. Okay, let's pause for a second on some of the ifs and assume that even if this is something that would work going after their bonds, how does it hold the public official accountable? So they're explaining that you would go to um, this insurance company and you would file a claim against the bond as basically an injured party and receive some sort of payout. Who are you filing on behalf of? Are you filing on behalf of yourself, on behalf of those in your community? If so, how do you have the authority or the standing to do that? Um, what is the process for doing that? Which insurance company is holding this bond? Uh, and, and exactly if that all worked, how, assume you get a payout, how does that hold that government official accountable? How are they having to be personally held accountable? They're not having to write a check out of their, their pocket. They're not receiving any kind of, of um, consequence for that uh, bond being um, you know claimed against. So what do they think that would do um, there's other people out there pushing a different angle under Michigan state law about bonds, but that's a whole nother discussion. And that's not at all what they're talking about um, with the constitutional law group. Um, so they then said that we know this is a very effective process because we have seen some very big wins lately with these bonds. How? Where? What are the specific examples? I've seen not a single one of these actually happen. Now, I don't know everything, so I would love to hear about if this is something that's actually working, how is a payout even happening? How is a bond actually being claimed against by people that just show up and you know call or whatever and file a complaint or a, a claim against a public official's bond? What does that process actually look like? And where has it been working? Because logistically, I, I don't see it ever happening. Um, so please share. If you know of something that's actually been happening, let's see the proof of that because people not only need to see that it actually does work, but they need to see how. Why make people reinvent the wheel? So um, the next statement that was made was saying that people that have gone after the bonds of their elected officials have been making some very big gains and have been winning some very big judgments. Not a thing. Insurance companies don't award judgments. A judgment is literally something that you get through a court case that happens in court. But they're describing this bond process as something that's happening totally outside of court. They're saying 
Um, let's see, make, make sure I'm giving you the right context. Um, oh, I can't think of where it is. They were talking about, okay, the judicial system is corrupted and it's bogged down. They're putting these cases off. We're not making any progress in the courts. So now we have to do a think outside of the box approach, which is what this bond approach is. And it's working. So they're saying explicitly, this is nothing to do with the court system. Well, then by the same token, it, there's it's not happening in the court system. There's no judgment. So and if you do pursue a claim against the bond, who are you claiming that on behalf of? And how do you disperse any proceeds? Where is that to be used? In fact, in the in the matter of if a prosecuting attorney or group of prosecuting attorneys were to try to file some sort of class action or mass tort claim, as um, as Rick was calling it, against any of those individuals or any anyone at all uh, for any of this COVID stuff, what would the claim be? What are they? What damages are they asking for in a tort case? it's most likely going to just be money. How much money and where would the money go? Is it automatically going to be dispersed to all registered voters in that particular county if it's being done by a county prosecutor? Is it going to be dispersed amongst all the people that were living there any time between March of 2020 through the present date? Um, do you have to be 18 years of older? Do you have to be a US citizen? Um, what if you were just someone who worked um, and lived in another county, but you you frequently went to the county where the prosecuting attorney was pursuing this? Are you going to be included in on this? Um, if so, how would they identify you and how would you get your payout? How much would it all be? Um, these are huge um, issues. So um, let me see. Okay, so I, I was making sure I didn't have any questions on this. Um, so in other words, um, long story short, do I think that this Valentine's Day document is going to do any good whatsoever? Unfortunately, no, really there's not. And, and quite frankly, the one statute that I would uh, bring up, I'm gonna bring it up for you. Um, I'm going to do my screen share. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, uh, possession, or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States, or because of his having so exercised the same, uh, they shall be found under this title um, or imprisoned not more than 10 years, excuse me, fined, fined under this title um, or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And if death results from the acts committed in violation of this section, or if the acts um, include kidnapping or attempt to kidnap, a lot of these restrictions do amount to that, aggravated sexual abuse or an attempt to commit aggravated sexual abuse or an attempt to kill, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for any term of years or for life or both, or may be sentenced to death. 
So you have this laundry list of federal statutes that they included in this document. Where is 18 U.S.C. Section 241? 18 U.S.C. Section 241. That's what I just read to you. That's as plain as day. Every single government official who has been in office during this whole COVID thing that has been complacent or allowing these restrictions to happen uh, or implementing these restrictions themselves, whether they're at a uh, uh, you know, a small desk job, if you will, um, or, you know, they're just a cop on the beat writing the tickets in parking lots of, of churches and other places that were shut down at the beginning of all this madness when people were ordered to stay in their homes. Every single one of those people, and you don't even have to be a government official, but every single one of those people is guilty of this federal offense. And this is a federal offense that is pretty serious considering the maximum penalty is death. Why mess around with all the other garbage? Seriously, people. Let's not make it something it's not. Let's not overcomplicate this. Let's not bring into, into play all these other statutes that are loosely related to all this other stuff where you have to have a 205-page dossier that you include with your complaint that you're going to overwhelm and bog down um, any prosecutor, their assistant or secretary who's trying to do the right thing and, and understand what you're asking them to do. Keep it simple. Pursue the remedies that are they're more easy to understand. How would you ever win in front of a jury, whether it's a civil case or a criminal case? How would you ever win if you are going to complicate it so much that the jury cannot easily understand what the law is and how it applies in this situation? And the law that I just read to you is clear. Deprivation, when you have two or more persons who are depriving someone, even threatening to or intimidating or oppressing them or injuring um, their free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege, then they're guilty. I mean, it's as simple as that. Okay. So again, with that being said, though, that is a federal statute that you can't uh, pursue in state courts. You'd have to do that in federal courts, um, whether it's through a, <clears throat> a federal prosecutor in the criminal case or criminal side of things, or you pursue uh, yourself through a, um, a civil case, a tort case. So hopefully today was able to provide you a lot of helpful information uh, that you um, can benefit from. Again, do I want you to be um, mad at Rick Martin or Tammy Clark? Do I want you to, you know, attack them personally or call them idiots or anything like that? Absolutely not. That's not going to help us. What I do want you to do is be informed uh, with every action that you're taking when you're in this fight for freedom. We don't have unlimited resources. We the people are the underdog in this fight. We need to be smart. We need to be organized. We need to be efficient about how we fight back and pursuing things that literally legally cannot happen is not going to help our cause. In fact, not only that, if you look at how it logistically is going to play out, it is 
well, quite frankly, it's going to be what um, the Unlock One petition was for a lot of people. Uh, they pursued it and pursued it and pursued it and worked hard and, and nights and and day and night and weekends and weekdays and you name it. And they made sacrifices to get signatures and got signatures and turned it in. And the Supreme Court said, hey, uh, this already this is unconstitutional anyway. Um, but not only that, the Supreme Court didn't do what I asked it to do and apply that same reasoning and flat out spell out that the governor cannot use any of those other statutes, including those found in the public health code to continue doing what she was doing to address the overall authority problem and not just one statute in one context at one time. So when you have that many people involved and pouring everything in and getting disheartened, then a lot of people decided to back out. I've had tons of people come to me personally telling me that was the straw that broke the camel's back. They're not going to be involved in any of this stuff anymore. There's no point. Let me say to you, yes, there is a point. If for nothing else, Stand Up was able to show that there were, I don't know what the final number of actual valid signatures was, but I want to say it was like 409,000 or something. They were able to show that 400,000 people in Michigan were taking a stand against this garbage. Just the same as we, we didn't end up turning ours in because we knew we were, were short, but we had hundreds of thousands of signatures on the Restore Freedom Initiative constitutional amendment petition. The petition would have drastically changed the whole state of affairs in the state of Michigan and quite frankly set the example for the whole country. We didn't win in that way. We didn't get enough signatures within the allotted time to be able to make that change. But does it mean those efforts were for naught? No. It shows the government that we the people do have a voice. My goal in today's video is to get you to go forward, not backwards, can't change anything you've already done, time you've already spent on something, etc. to go forward knowing what things are beneficial for you to spend your time on or what things in this particular instance are not. And my weekly show having the call to action is something that I hope you take seriously. And it might seem like there are little steps or little calls to action, but each one does something important. And in this call to action, my specific call to action for you is do your own homework. I give you all the, the citations. If I have a case I'm referring to, if I tell you something has been done, I, I tell you how or where or when. If I tell you there is a law that requires something, I tell you what the law is so you can look it up yourself. I'm encouraging you. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you in this call to action for this week to do your own homework and don't blindly follow anybody because we're all human and we all can get it wrong. So don't turn this into any kind of personal hatred or mission against Tammy or Rick. Um, turn it into uh, a way to learn and grow and get more information as far as what specifically you could do to take some sort of action next week. Um, do any of the other things that I've already been asking you guys to do. But the biggest thing you could do, the best thing you could do is be educated. Do not spread misinformation. So um, I thank you. Um, hey, Robert Bowes. 
Um, let's see. Sorry, I saw a whole bunch of questions just come in. Um, make sure I'm not... If I'm missing any questions on this stuff, I apologize. I have all the different places we're pulling questions from in the same comment um, stream, and I may be accidentally missing one or two or... Um, Okay, so someone's concern was, um, this is also good and helpful, but no way we could remember all of the places and fees and what is legit and what is not. Um, I guess I don't know exactly what you're talking about. If you're talking about um, the statutes and the things that I was talking about today, uh, I put specific resources now in these videos right in the description, so you can go and click on some of those. Um, I do other things in a screen share so you can go back and watch the video, pause it, see what I was pulling up um, and try to follow along that way. Um, or if I give you just if I say a statute, you can also um, just do a Google search. Whatever you do, put your primary um, leaning on a primary source. So if I've talked to you about what a law does or doesn't do, I'd rather you go ahead and double check me and Google it by going right to, if it's a Michigan law, go to the Michigan legislature's website and read the law yourself. Don't follow some sort of blog about it. Don't look at some sort of case describing it. If it's the law you're actually looking at, seeing what it says, then read the actual law for yourself. Uh, don't rely on some other third-party websites, um, you know, copying or paraphrasing or quoting it correctly. Uh, let's see. Okay, so somebody is asking, I'll, I'll answer this question. It's um, kind of slightly off topic, but um, Title 18, Section 242 of the United States Code. So they're specifically asking about 18 USC 242 and using it in family court. The problem is 242 is total garbage and totally irrelevant in anything that we've ever been talking about. And people keep mixing it up and thinking that's the one that you wanna talk about. Why do I say it's garbage and not relevant to what we're talking about? Because, um, let's see, I'm gonna do screen share. I have 242, 18 USC 242 pulled up right here because this was the question. Um, it's talking about under color of law, um, you're subjecting any person to deprivation of rights, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's by reason of his, right here, by reason of his color or race. Okay. Oh, sorry. I missed. Um, on account of such person being an alien or by reason of his color or race. What does that have to do with most cases or quite frankly, anything with COVID, really, any of these restrictions. They haven't been making the restrictions um, or the exemptions based on race or anything like that. Anytime you wanna look at something, you can't just look at parts of the, of the words um, or phrases and cut it off and think that it applies. That's why I'm saying to you, 18 USC section 242 has absolutely no way to help or benefit or is relevant at all to anything that we've been working on or fighting for in the last two years. What does have a benefit, what does apply is the statute right before it. 
18 USC section 241. And there is no cutoff or uh, limitation to applying the statute just uh, for discrimination based on race or if you're um, uh, an, you know, an immigrant or anything like that. That's what the other statute is for. This is any oppression, any threat, any intimidation uh, to restrict the enjoyment or free exercise of a right or privilege guaranteed by the Constitution or the laws of the United States at all, that is covered. There's no other, um, you know, uh, qualification of a plaintiff um, or a, an injured party bringing that request. Um, hopefully that explains that. Um, really? Pastor Austin is running for state senator. Did not know that. Um, I also heard Steve Kara's race got a little bit more interesting. Uh, shoot, who does he have? I want to say he was talking, uh, he was, um, he's now running against two individuals, one of them being Fred Upton. Um, that is going to be an interesting race as well. Um, but at any rate, uh, this video is long enough. I hope you all enjoyed the information here. Again, replay it if you need to. Uh, it's amazing how um, an explanatory video could take an hour and 21 minutes to explain or debunk or clarify something that was explained in a 10 minute video <laughs> from somebody else. But um, all right, guys, uh, hopefully this was helpful. Uh, please uh, stay tuned. I am my my personal life and professional life and things I've been dealing with has been extremely overwhelming. And, you know, I don't have, you know, like paid staff that run around helping me with everything. Um, I have one person who volunteers a ton of time uh, to help with the cause, but um, she's not even here physically. So that also puts limits on, on what can be done too. Uh, my point being, um, I have been busting my butt on getting all these weekly videos out to you and some of the other videos about court cases and whatnot. And um, I will continue to do those. I will continue to also do um, more um, additional things, um, creating that constitution book and some of those other things. Uh, but um, it is my goal to try to land on a particular day and time, like my friend Micah with 2AEDU. He does his Friday nights uh, where he does his weekly video and you get to see um, some consistency and know when to tune in. It is my goal to provide that for you guys as well. Um, so it's just going to be a balance of trying to find a time that seems to work for people, but also one that I can consistently make work between homeschooling, uh, remodeling, and uh, everyday life, uh, if you will. So um, I appreciate all of you who are still supporting the work that I do. Um, and those of you who um, do provide financial support, uh, whether it's you know, the person that sent me a $2 bill and said that's all they had, they wish they could have donated more, or whether you're someone who would donate more. Um, I really appreciate that because uh, it does take a lot of uh, out-of-pocket expense to cover the StreamYard um, functionality here or to do the lives on Rumble. There's a cost to that, to all the other behind-the-scenes uh, software and, and things to keep everything straight. Um, so um, without taking any time to do paid cases right now this uh this only runs on a volunteer effort and and funds that are donated so to those of you who have been supporting in any way with prayer with financial support um or kind words even uh, i really appreciate you it means a lot to me 
so with that being said, I hope you all have a wonderful day and uh, tune in for our next video. Thanks.